Welcome to a new episode of the XR Magazine podcast. My name is Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking with Barry Murphy from the team at Anagram. Anagram makes interactive and immersive experiences, each one of them getting the audience to move, think, talk, and participate. Perhaps you have a glimpse of being someone else, or you find a corner of yourself you had forgotten. Perhaps you just have a great time and get swept up in the story. From meticulously designed theatrical sets to ancient buildings and wild forests, each piece gets you entangled with a place. The team at Anagram are experts in understanding and using new technologies, including virtual reality, augmented reality, and other XR tools. And today we'll be speaking with Mary Murphy, who is Goliath's director and writer. Goliath is a piece of art that is showcased in the Oculus Quest. Mary is a mixed media filmmaker working with Anagram using new technologies to tell compelling stories. Always attracted to the intersection of art and technology, an engineering dropout went on to study animation in Dublin and London. Barry finds the emerging power of game engines and immersive storytelling to be the perfect place for him to be having work in all spectrums of the visual field from exhibitions, advertisement, live performance, music videos, and documentary filmmaking. I'm super excited for this episode today and speaking with Barry, bringing us to the attention all of these processes that happen in the creation of pieces like Goliath. I can't wait. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Barry, for being here today. I'm Thanks super, there, super excited. Uh, how are you doing today? I am good, actually. Yeah, it's, it's cold here in London, but it's nice and clear. And yeah. It's, yeah. It's... Thank you so much. Yeah. I am all the way from Canada bringing uh, today this amazing uh, story and background and also a little bit of uh, the work that Anagram had been doing. So what if we start by speaking of how did Anagram got started and your own background as a director and all your experience? Okay. Yeah. Well, I can, I can speak to, um, so, so Anagram, uh, started around like 2015, I believe with, uh, um, Amy Rose and May Abdallah. And, uh, they're two friends who kind of, I guess they, they saw something in, they're both came from journalists. They were both journalists actually and kind of, uh, sound artists and, um, uh, you know, journalistic filmmakers who kind of worked for Al Jazeera and all these kind of stuff. But um they saw kind of like something really interesting that was happening with like technology at the time, like so mobile phones and all of this, um like the new kind of Oculus headsets and all that. There was a kind of an interesting kind of murmur among the kind of like uh, that community. And I think that they kind of got got they got involved in um in in that i think i believe they did a kind of resident residency with this um and it with this uh really kind of like breakout theatrical group uh in brighton that kind of set set them off and um i can't remember what what that what that 
collective was called. But um, uh, from there, they kind of the the origin really was that they started this. They they developed this piece called Door into the Dark, and and it was like using technology in a very interesting way, and it was asking people what it meant to feel to be what it was to to be lost in the world. And it kind of it used um you know a very cool um setup in a a large uh a large venue where um you know the the audience was asked to kind of don a headset uh, like a photo like a, a a motorcycle helmet and and wear earphones and then they were completely isolated from from you know sight and stuff and they were only, and they could only hear what was in the headphones. And they took off their shoes and then so they're barefoot in the room holding a rope. Okay. And then they would listen to like the testimony of three people who, who, who were blind essentially. And I think John Hull from Notes and Blindness. I know, I don't know if you know that he was one of the people. And then, and so you would follow this rope until at some point the rope would end. So you were found yourself completely lost in this huge environment and having to kind of like navigate the world with, with just, you know, your, your, your kind of instincts, so to speak. And, and as far as I, that, that, that piece, um, won Tribeca that year. And I think it was best immersive experience or something. And it was their first piece. And so that kind of set Anagram off in a very good kind of footing to kind of like, you know, just, you know, I think people, they just started to get people excited about their approach and, you know, they weren't just using the kind of the technology as a show off for itself. You know, it was more what can the technology do for the story and why is that technology relevant to the story? And that's been the kind of anagram kind of thesis ever since, you know, that's the core question that we always ask is like, why are we doing it? Why are we engaging with this technology? And yeah. Yeah, that sounds amazing. It's like giving real life into the story and using the tool for that purpose rather yeah. than don't let uh, the just t- to show yeah. that now we're using these tools. Yes. Yeah, don't let the tool decide, I, I, I guess. You know, I think that's something that's important. Just how you can really support the story or the experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. that's amazing. Thank you. So I understand there is a great experience that is out there called Goliath. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that that one is very interesting as it is bringing elements from schizophrenia, gaming, connection. So all of these ones, you know, mixed together to create this beautiful piece. Mm-hmm. Could you let us know a little bit more about what Goliath is about, mm-hmm. uh, how it was created? You know, like if you can help us to understand the background, um, yeah. because it's uh, many, many more people should know about these type of creations that you've made. Yeah. Okay. So Goliath was, um, it came about because uh, it's actually a a very personal story to me because it was a friend of mine's brother who is the protagonist. And, um, and we were always kind of like, you know, my friend was really struck by how when my friend who was, uh, his brother was hospitalized for, um, for quite some time and med heavily medicated after a schizophrenic episode, and, you know, he didn't really recognize his brother. You know, he thought he was gone. He thought the medication had completely stripped them down to, to nothing. And it was only when he, he, he got released and he could be, um, out in the real world. He started online gaming that he started to recognize his brother, like when he was gaming, the, his voice changed, his countenance changed. He became much more like the, the brother that he remembered. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there was something there that like, you know, 
at the time I was like uh, just an animator, you know, trying to work with animation and documentary. And I really wanted to make something along those lines, you know, like something that had game engine technology using, using game engine technology, but also had a, you know, like some, like was weighted in the real world. Cause I find personally, like I, I really like, like animated documentary. I love the real world testimony, you know, the, the, the voice, the experience of these people, the very brutal stories sometimes, but then juxtaposed with, you know, this kind of ethereal animation where anything can happen and, there's, it's very metaphorical sometimes, and there's quite a lot. It's a very rich playground to to make work, you know, straddling those two kind of mediums. So um, at the time, I think we, it was like 2018, many years later from this story, that uh, we were, we myself and May, we'd, we'd made like a VR piece um, called Make Noise, and, you know, we'd gone to Venice, and we got excited about like how, you know, the way that like these new interactive kind of like showcases that the festivals were supporting were, were you know, were popping up around the world at IDFA and Tribeca, Sundance, Venice, you know, all these kind of like, you know, great kind of like, air, like, you know, environments with like this new crowd of people, like, you know, like just trying out all these interesting kind of um, things. And so we learned about the Venice um Venice Biennale College, essentially, and and we just filled out a form one evening, and we just decided we decided we were going to try to make make Goliath. Basically, that we thought that like you know the story was really compelling, and you know the using VR with with you know like the idea of playing with reality, you know like it's like when you're in a psychosis state, like you know what I mean, what you don't know what is real, and you kind of have to be kind of like told what is real in a way, you know, because you can't trust your senses. And so we felt that there was something with, you know, VR was like, you know, a good way to tell the story, you know. Um, and so we kind of, uh, we applied to the Biennale College, which I, I like, I would recommend anyone do. It's a brilliant, brilliant resource. It's kind of like, like a three or f- like a five day retreat with some great minds who help you put your ideas together on paper and you have to, you know, go through and make a speech about it and talk out to people and like really boil down your kind of, the, the idea for what it what you know your elevator pitch essentially and so we kind of we did this kind of residency and you know really took it very seriously and it you know we found it very difficult to kind of to get to the ideas and just like kill old ideas and and try to push it forward and and after it, after that process we had a kind of like something that we could take around to people and get them excited to kind of help help us make it um and from the very beginning like the like the story of Goliath just got people understood it very simply and it just caught like caught on and people wanted to help make it basically so we had help from Creative XOR in 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 England who were an arts council kind of funded initiative and they helped us build a prototype you know so for, to, to kind of give us the the resources to take time out and kind of do like we did some a residency on the west coast of Ireland at a friend's little cottage you know to kind of really isolate ourselves to come up with like you know good stuff and and we built a prototype and uh, and from that prototype we had something to kind of like you know get people interested in you know properly because like on paper and in in, you know in an elevator or at like you know any kind of funding kind of initiative places or producer meets ups whatever you you know just just pieces of paper and like don't really kind of push it you need to have this kind of 
you know, a little working kind of model of what, what it is, you know. Um, and so we created the prototype and we exhibited it. We stayed up like for like two days almost getting it ready for this, um, for this, uh, like, uh, you know, demo in London. And we showed it to like many, many people. And, um, from there we secured some partners that were like really wanted to get it made because what we found out actually really funny enough is that every, like somebody, like most people that even worked on it and everyone who, who, who kind of wanted to help, like the reasons for helping us was very personal. They, they knew somebody in their family or a friend or someone very close to them had like, you know, a psychotic episode or had schizophrenia or, you know, was kind of like, you know, in a, in a, like in, you know, was touched by that kind of like condition and, and, and they just felt it was like an important story to tell. And so we were lucky in that way. Not lucky in it that everyone has schizophrenia, but we we're lucky that, you know, we found, you know, a lot of help and a lot of people who, who, who knew why we were making it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That sounds super, super <coughs> exciting. And especially I think that I hi- want to highlight the fact of how you went that route of concentrating, getting very focused on let's build this prototype, mm-hmm. believing a lot in that idea and making it real as a prototype. What challenges did you find while making the actual prototype and how oh, did yeah. you overcome them? Okay. So I, I guess like with, with, when you're making VR, when you're making something like technology based and theatrically based and, and from all different things, I think it's, it's your core team that really help make it, you know, like it's, there's not, you know, it's, it's a very strange kind of dynamic for, you know, people to step in and do their, the the bit that they do, you know, the best bit, that's what I do, you know? And so we had a very good core team, you know, we had May and Abdallah helping me write and Michael Golombowski, a great mind, a great developer. And, and, um, we had some really strong kind of like producer, like Anita Jones, who was very driven. And, and so it was just in the core team and, and, and also like it was, you know, it wasn't an easy process, like trying to kind of, like manifest this a VR piece, you know, like the tools and the w- methods that people use to kind of like make films and stuff and all of those kind of processes or the tools that they make to develop like games or apps, they're not quite the right tools and processes that you require to make good VR kind of like immersive experience. So, so in a way it's, it's a, you know, the processes were mishmashes of, trying this and trying that and like, you know, short bursts of workshops and, you know, using kind of processes called agile and stuff to get like true and iterate, you know, um, a product, the, the product very quickly. I think what we, what we learn mostly is that you have to get to, you know, a complete like vision, a complete package as soon as possible. So you can iterate it on as quickly as possible. Cause like, It's not like, you know, I, I guess it's quite different than, you know, making a, making a, like a short film or a film where, you know, you can see everything and you know, because you've got a hundred years of filmic language behind you to kind of you're intuitively know that, that the edit is working and stuff like that. It's much more difficult to kind of like, to kind of imagine that edited human experience, you know, the kind of the first person, you know, immersive view is, is much more difficult to kind of, to, to know that you're right 
and correct and this will work and and so in a way you're building like um a small machine that has to kind of do all of these things and work perfectly so that's the challenge but at the same time you know the human experience like is uh is is you know um you know the the most elusive part to get right and and we got that I think we we you know what we did quite a lot was and that, that was thanks to Anita and May pushing for the the notion to get um to to test on a lot of people to test on as much people as possible and you know get that cruel feedback you know that you don't want to hear you know from your clients or if you're making stuff for a film for your audience they you know they can tell you bad things but like we we got the audience feedback as as early as we possibly could so we could adapt to it because it's a, it's a, when you're talking about mental health issues and you're talking about you know trying to represent like like this condition in the best possible way considering the media have been you know representing it so badly for years we we felt really responsible about the message that we were trying to send and and so we had to ask as many people as possible you know and get the you know get the kind of um get that balance right to make sure everything we could possibly say was on point yeah amazing yes definitely it's a, a very great experience um because it gives you the perspective of um how that could be experienced in that world I, I think that the most the thing that i mostly love about that experience is this also philosophical but in my opinion it's not so philosophical anyways about idea about what is real and mm -hmm. what is not real when you mention yes. depends on the senses you know like what is yes. real or not it just mm -hmm. depends totally on what the senses are experiencing because if we would yes. experience in any other type of world even if it's virtual it might mm -hmm. become real if the senses believe that that is the real reality let's say oh yeah yeah This for sure so fascinating right think, about virtual yeah. reality is crazy because at it what is. point Virtual reality or the devices are going to give us the opportunity to put meshes all around. And so oh, how yeah. are we going to distinguish? I think that that's, I think that in a way, like if philosophers will probably say we probably have those meshes already, you know, in a, in, in a lot of ways. I think yes. um, there's yes. definitely the question of reality. Virtual reality definitely is a, is a very good area to study like from a philosophical perspective absolutely I think. yeah <laughs> i love it i'm i'm yeah. so glad that i'm not the only one that had these reflections of wait a minute if what i'm seeing right now seems <laughs> real what if we are also an iteration of that other type of virtual cre created world but we now believe is real you know so yeah. it's amazing yeah and, the, the yeah, and i think that part. as we move forward and You know, even like the way America is so politically divided, you know, there's two people with there's like almost there's two sides with completely different versions of what they think reality is or, you know, and and the way that mixed reality is coming in, like, you know, with tech. And, you know, I think that the, the idea we have to kind of in a way step up our kind of awareness and our kind of like senses and ability to kind of like discern what reality is. I think it's it's kind of very important or. We're all just going to get lost in a sea of multiple realities. Which is wow. <laughs> That's interesting. I wonder how many people are afraid of that, right? Oh, And I think, why? yeah, I know. Like, I'm not afraid of it, but like, I think that we just, I think people, you know, just yeah. learn, don't they? We just learn. 
Yeah, for for many people that might be some like a, an, a challenging idea, the fact that we might not have total control of what could happen if uh, it's kind of like what is happening right now with the cell phone that we mm-hmm. thought we had the control, but we see each other like each other in in places, in public I places. Know. Everybody's yeah. with the phone, so it's kind of like. With yeah, getting we, there, even with another device that is going to be even more enticing than this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's up to the people who are developing and working with it to make sure that it's something that, like, it connects, makes us, helps us and saves us time rather than creates, like, more time for us, you know. And Absolutely. It's something that appends, yeah, and helps. Absolutely. That is kind of like my, my, my view of this technology. How can we create something that is meaningful, but is not asking you for dependence? Yeah, yeah. How we can create something that is educational, that you can put aside and you can even abandon it because it's a tool. It's not totally, you know, like, like what, what we should be uh, necessarily living in all the time. That, That is, that is like the best. In my XR design um, workshops or talks, mm-hmm. th- this is what I bring towards, like the, the attention of yeah. that, how that has to be integrated in the design process, I feel. Yeah. Kind yeah, of like ethics that, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Thank you so much for sharing that. So what are your best tips and tools for creating immersive entertainment design experiences? Because I believe Anagram has such a rich, you know, pipeline maybe of creation that is so good you know so people might want to know what are your recommendations tips tools etc for immersive entertainment design uh well you know we're you know we 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 primarily work you know like the it's 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 completely idea dependent but um i feel you know like we share quite a lot of stuff on Miro kind of ideas and links and, you know, we, we kind of try to talk and, uh, write iterations. We use Google Docs a lot to kind of like, you know, get right quite a lot of, of, of ideas. And I think, uh, what, what we're, we're starting to use Coda for this, for a project that we're starting now. Actually, I don't know if that's how that's going to work out, but I know that we're working with a fantastic interaction designer and, and she's like persuading us to, to use Coda because she uses it all the time. Um, I, I like to work with like, um, Google Docs and Miro. Miro seems really nice. Um, like, uh, CG wise, like I use, I use Maya, but you know, I really want to start using Blender, you know, because uh, yeah. of the open source Blender. aspect of that. Um, and, and, you know, and, and we know our way around Unity. So we kind of like, we kind of like build generally on Unity. But I think that the, like on the back end, we've got like Excel spreadsheets. You know, you have to get really passionate about spreadsheets, you know. Yeah. Um, for like when you're working in, te- in 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 technology with with all of these assets and stuff, you really need to, you know, put those assets up there and and just tableify them and like you know have all the data and track them and you know and kind of like you know make sure that you know that you know that you're aware of every single asset. I think that that's that's one of the kind of things that I learned the most was just like you know defining the project in a sense from what what are the ingredients in it and you can't really you can't really do that without getting the expert the spreadsheet out and like just writing all of those those objects down you know whether it's sound or code or you know fbx sequences or 
like animation sequences. You need to have like all of that information there for everyone to see. Um, the, as a director, it's very difficult to kind of like it's all inside your head, you know, and to get it all out. And, and you think you're being detailed with your descriptions and, but from someone else's perspective, it's just not enough information, you know, <laughs> and, and it's about getting that shared vision like that everybody knows and gets is on the page that's that's the difficult part and i find it's like it's just finding people that you work with well and just making sure and just keeping that relationship going you know and you know that's kind of the way that you know i i, I think it's important is mm-hmm. is just to keep uh you know keep the crew like you know going and 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 you're always learning and nobody like I, I feel like nobody's an expert in this field and and you kind of have to be wary of people who like claim to know everything and I think there's you have to make a lot of mistakes um, and but you have to make them as quickly as possible so you, yeah. you know so you can change direction or or improve on it because it's in constant constantly improving thing you're never going to be happy with with you know what you do at that time there's always something wrong with it and there's always something that you need to change but you won't always have that resource so you'll you have to pick and choose you know we did quite a lot of like you know nice to haves must haves and you know descope you know kind of like points in in making goliath where we had to just let go of ideas because there was just no time or we couldn't do it (laughs) and it wasn't important you know it wasn't important to the story yeah so yeah no, that's amazing. Quite a lot to learn. Yes, yes, for sure. So what what is your take on using Unity versus Unreal? Because I um, understand that Unreal is used for also as well for yeah, filmmaking yeah, like, and stuff. So how is your I experience? Think all, with them? They seem both great. Like I actually started my first first project ever in two thousand and like thirteen, fourteen was was using Unreal with my friend Owen and we were doing a kind of version of Ulysses, like, you know, a chapter of Ulysses for a pro- for his project and and I used Unreal and it tied in very well with Maya and but I think that um at the time um, Unity had a much better like support network of forums and, and people oh. willing to help and mm-hmm. and C sharp coding versus C plus plus like I think it was I thought you know I, I always thought it was very hard to find someone who like can code in C++ because mm-hmm. the finance industry is like stealing them all you know they're all making hundreds of thousands of pounds like working in in finance you know like on the back end of some computer working two hours a day and you know like very mm-hmm. happily like you know so I thought like C++ developers were harder to find and so in realism in C++ um but like you know and then once you kind of I don't know I'm, I'm once you kind of get somewhere so far with a piece of software it's very difficult to kind of <clears throat> you know just like completely up and change and do a new kind of like yeah. methodology and I don't think they're that similar mm-hmm. um but like you know like in the future like you know I definitely wouldn't rule out like trying to make something unreal it it, it seems that everything seems to look really good straight away in there yeah. you know you have to work mm-hmm. a little bit harder in unity to get yeah. that mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Thank you so much, Barry. I'm super excited with all the amazing experience that you've shared, the journey, how actually is the work inside Anagram, tools, recommendations, etc. It's been fascinating to hear about that and especially sharing the background story of Goliath. I'm inviting everybody to go and check any of those stories. There are many more that can be experienced in VR. 
if you want to just close this uh, session by letting us know what other experiences they could experience in, uh, you know, in um, Oculus or... Oh, what what do they like? You know what what what, what, what other experiences there are like Goliath, and there is um, oh, other like ones. Oh, our favorite. So one of our favorites is Notes yes. on Blindness. Definitely ah, That's yes. beautiful. Yeah. Um, like uh, what else would I say? You know, um, any of Atlas Five's productions are really good as well. Um, mm-hmm. They've got that new one out about the um, the nuclear scare in Hawaii from the morning I wake till the end of the world I think it's called that was quite beautiful um let's see you know there's come some really fun games out there you know like um the virtual virtuality is really cool good time good times there um tender claws have something oh god I can't remember what tender claws is called um what's it called the under presents, which is really great theatrical experience that you can go and like kind of um, put, sometimes they have live actors in there, you know, to kind of like, like really kind of bring, bring their projects home. Yeah. Um, there's like some really cool games out there. I don't know if you played um, Hyperdash. That's one of my favorites and um, very good viewer game, very good for a social kind of viewer. Um and uh yeah i don't know there's like countless vr worlds uh, vr chat worlds yeah. um horizons is just starting up now you know there's kind mm-hmm. of like there's the beginning of like you know different kind of platforms where people are kind of you know i think that there's going to be a lot more stuff to see coming up in the in the near future with with the new kind of technology that's coming out um but yeah like my favorite is is has always been notes and blindness i have to say um mm-hmm. And, you know, there's like a brilliant, like uh, some brilliant 360 movies as well. Like Step to the Line is really great. Um, it's a very touching documentary. Uh, yeah. What else? Um, yeah. I, off the top of my head, I can't think of anything yeah. anymore. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, it's amazing. No, <laughs> no, blindness is amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and of, and of course, we're inviting anybody to go and check Anagram. Uh, we are anagram.co.uk. Yeah, that's it. We are anagram.co.uk. We are anagram, yes. So, because there you're going to find the work that the amazing studio is making. And also, I understand that anagram, um, can be involved in maybe workshops, talks, um, open for all of that as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amy and May are, are just fantastic speakers and, Yeah, you can find amazing speakers as well. Thank you so much, Barry. It's been a lovely talk and I'm super grateful with all the insight that you shared with us today. Okay, well, thanks and good luck with everything. Thank you so much and see you in the next episode. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye.